Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the JT Fox Podcast Network. On this network, we interview some of the biggest A-list celebrities, uh, entrepreneurs, legends, and goats. We also sometimes debate the news. We often talk about business, about ways to increase income and wealth. And I have just returned from London, where uh, a very interesting week I had, uh, you know, working with clients, uh, doing deals, doing business, having dinner with Elizabeth Hurley, and a couple of days ago, literally going to McLaren Racing, meeting the CEO of McLaren Racing, which I'd met in 2019. And he said, yeah, we should do it again. And in basically two years of persistence because of COVID and all that and, and the protocols they had there. And I learned 11 business lessons that I need to implement in my business that if you're listening, you need to, because I was completely shocked at some of the things that I had learned. And I have my CEO, Francie who, by the way, we're going to do something very interesting in this podcast. We're going to act like it's a business meeting. I'm going to share the things so you will learn, but I'm also going to get Francie to tell us, are we doing this? Can we do this? Is it a good idea? Is it not a good idea? And so two birds with one stone. So my CEO, Francie, how are you? I'm great, but we don't have to act like this is a business meeting. It is actually a it business It is actually a business meeting. We're not meeting. acting like it. This is an actual business meeting. Because if this was actually just a virtual, this would be you. You know, I mean, it would be like you typing away at somebody with a problem. Because right. I have a giant screen. And so there's all these other things. So he knows when I'm looking over here and I'm making faces, it's because I'm doing something else or I'm reading something. Um, but yes, this is an actual. And we also have a live audience too. So you guys can comment on this as well. So let's get this started over. So spent all morning at McLaren Racing F1. For those of you who watch uh, Netflix, uh, Survive the Drive. I think it's called Surviving the Drive, something like that, which, by the way, literally transformed Formula One into now a very popular sport. It was popular all over the world, not as much in the United States. Now there's going to be three races in the United States. You're going to have uh, Miami, uh, Austin. It used to just be Austin. Miami, they added last year, and they're adding Las Vegas in the streets. Uh, really phenomenal and well played. Um, so and by the way, tickets to any races. Uh, I did not want, like, it's interesting. I, I didn't think okay, it was, we'll come back to that. We'll come back. Like it's appropriate that stuff. Like, I didn't think so like right now, but I may, I'll talk to you about this. So, all right. So we got there and with the meeting of the CEO of McLaren, and by the way, their, their office complex literally looks like an Apple. So if you Google McLaren, um, office, it literally looks like the, the Apple thing. It's nice circular. They've got over 3000 people that work there. They got a little pond and everything. And not only do they have the, the F1 racing division, uh, but they also have uh, where they they do the cars. So they actually make the cars, the McLaren, the normal. So they got the automotive and they got the racing as well. Uh, and they had just launched a new car, which if you guys are live, you can see this is what the new car is going to look for 2023. And uh, so we sat down and I, I, again, if I'm going to do an experience, I always bring my clients. So I brought Sven and Content Rano to come along and um, two very left-brainers, which added to the conversation. So we sat down and here's a couple of things that I learned. And because and we were asking, you know, what what is it that that makes, you know, M McLaren successful? And now you may argue they're not Red Bull, they're not Mercedes, but it just doesn't matter. They're running a, a massive operation. And he says his job, as the CEO is to sort of do these certain things and to ensure these things are happening. So the first one is the biggest problems, which when he came over, he was solving is that there was not open and 
communication between all departments. So for example, when you have the car, there's a wheel team, there's an engine team, there's a there's all these different teams there. Um, and as a result, if there was a problem, so if the wheel team saw that their engine was the problem, let's say, or, or, or the car, they would not speak up. And because they would not speak up, because they didn't want to interfere in another department, they didn't feel like step on anybody's toes. And he implemented is, if you know of the problem and you can fix it, fix it. And when it, because what it did is it created bureaucracy of red tape. And in a, it is, as you we mentioned, we're talking about the difference between millisecond inches between winning and losing, right? Between, you know, first and third and sometimes all the way at the bottom as well. So Francie, we, we had these issues in the past, um, but do you think that, you know, and, and what we did do is, is they, they know every individual on the team, their strengths, their weakness, and they involve everybody into the decision, knowing what's happening. We have a business. We won't name which one for the interest of the business, but you basically ascertain you're not a CEO of that business. They just report to you uh, that they was a communication and open communication. And I thought about you when he talked about this and we don't have in that business. So maybe explain to them about what the problem is and what the solution is. Um, yeah, and so then communi open communication, I think is a big thing. And um, ironically, previously in, um, you, previously in your company, it was probably the reason when we rewind back seven years ago or whatever, that I was like the most hated person in your company, not by you, never by you, and not really by anyone who's still around, because I used to ask questions that weren't related to my department, right? Like, hey, why are we doing this in events? Or, hey, why aren't we sharing this information from the event to the, you know, client relations team, right? And I, I used to quote unquote, stick my nose where it didn't belong, right? And then like we had a whole issue with this then kind of over the years. I think now the difference is you, when everyone communicates, it's very clear on if there's a problem and you're communicating it with, some people sometimes just don't see the problem or don't realize that this problem that they're doing something a certain way that could be problematic for somebody else. So I think that it's really important that people are communicating as a team. I think it depends too on every different company, how you're going to solve this based on size, right? So at one point, our company was a lot bigger and we were all in an office setting. So we used to have a meeting every morning. It was a stand-up roundtable meeting. And basically at that stand-up roundtable meeting, each department head would basically share what their pri what they felt their priorities were, what they were working on, um, and if they had any issues. So everyone knew what everybody's priorities were. And if priorities were misaligned, we could realign priorities as a group. Because that's the other thing. When you have a marketing team that thinks, you know, marketing this McLaren is number one priority, but you know, the building team is thinking we're trying to roll out this car marketing thinks I'm trying to promote this car, right? Like 
we're making more of these cars and promoting more of these cars, those two things don't align. So everyone has to be on the same same page as far as what are those priorities are and what are the issues and is there a better, faster, easier way, uh, more efficient, better, faster, more efficient way to do something. So that was kind of when we were all in the office, a solution now kind of a solution, how, you know, with a lot of people being remote um, and our team is, is smaller. We do a team, a team meeting every week with every single team, right? So there's different departmental meetings to dive deeper into like what's going on in each department. But then we have on a team meeting where every team has to bring those things that impact the company or things they need to discuss across the company on that kind of team meeting to open up the flow of communication. I will also said we recently had someone who left who it has become very clear was not the best communicator right? And um, in that in that specific department, wasn't always communicating things and really didn't want communication from the people underneath them to me or to other people in the company because they wanted to have control. Now that that person's left, we've started to see where we're able to simplify certain things or things were being said, like Francie wants it this way, or JT wants it this way, or we have to do it this way because JT said so. And then I'm looking at him like, JT never said that. Like it was more of because that layer of blockage was there, so to speak. Um, it was being able to be positioned that I asked for something or JT asked for something or it had to be done a certain way based on our request, which was just not, they wanted it that way but knew if they attached our name to it would get done that way. So I think, you know, breaking down that communication is a big thing. I would also say um, last point on this, when we did have an office and I still am like this, um, my desk was in the middle of the office, not even in a cubicle with any type of wall around it, not behind a closed door, not in an office, like over in some corner, my desk where I sat was literally right in the middle of the office as the CEO, where anyone could walk up to my desk at any time and ask me anything. Now, was I the most productive as a CEO? I probably would have been a tiny bit more efficient, but it people knew they could come and ask any questions. So now as we, we transition to virtual, people know they can you know, get me on chat, they can call me, they can text me. And they also know if I'm in a meeting, I'll just say I'm in a meeting, I'll call you afterwards. Um, and for me, personally, I think it works for us. And it works for our company having that kind of open door thing. And that was a thing um, we took, I took from um, Jeff Bezos talks about that being in that like open format. So I think not only interdepartment com communication, but people feeling like they can also communicate with upper level. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, the other point, which I thought was good. And uh, so second lesson, by the way, did you guys like this? Enjoy it. So we have a live audience here. So we're not only just doing this on our podcast. And again, this, this is an opportunity to replay this is that they treat. So you could see behind the car here in the picture for those you have, they have a lot of sponsors back then and they don't call them sponsors. They call them partners. And they will literally work. And this was the genius of Zach Brown, who's on Netflix. And, and he says, we try really hard to work with the sponsors um, to figure out exactly how we as McLaren can create a better relationship, promote them better so that they can get an ROI because they realize that 
just putting your name on a car doesn't necessarily do anything, right? It, like it, it's being, but is it, it's, it's, is it, how do I make it more direct response? So for example, they have a relationship with the Hilton. So they always say stay Hilton. So they could have like an event that's McLaren based for their top people at Hilton to go in there. So, so how they can utilize, Hey, come to McLaren, right. And you utilize the power of their offices, which is not open to the public, bring people here. Uh, when we're at events, bring them there, create special sponsorships in order to attract, because the big money now is obviously with their equalizing the field. So before there was a disparity, right? You have Red Bull and Mercedes who would spend the most amount of money and then they have the lead. So now they sort of put a cap on how much you can spend. So, and a financial model that, that he said to me, half the teams are profitable right now. The other half are not, but they will be this year or in the next couple of years. And that shows to me that now it becomes because before, as opposed to, hey, this team got bought up by Saudi Arabia and they spend $5 billion a year to win, it, it, the, it, the margin of competition is too there. So it's trying to equal the field of competition versus those who have and don't have. And the ability to look at their partners and say, this is what we can do to enhance our relationship with you so that they can spend more money. Uh, you know, renew every single year, rather keep chasing the partners. So really looking at, and, and I look at this with our clients, like how can we make our clients more successful? Whether or not, hey, we have celebrities that I go come with me. Uh, you want to be on my stages. You want to be in the meetings that I'm in. You want to learn and incorporating that uh, as as treating your, your advertisers, sponsors, in fact, as partners, rather than how much, put my logo, call it a day. What, what do you think of that? And I think we do something, you think there's more that we can do. I mean, I think, I think we do that well. I mean, I was going to say, I think this year we started doing even more of that where obviously now you're going into people's businesses, Yes. you know, and yeah. it's that, that thing, I, that's something we just started, but popped in my head when you were like, oh, they can come leverage the office. Well, you know, they're, they can't really leverage our office because we don't have one because we're virtual, but they can leverage you and your ability of basically you're going to go in and be part of their business every single day. So, you know, I think that's a well, yeah, you're right. It was a social experience that I did, right? That's so a I big went, one, right? That in the I last like seven days, I didn't just didn't do like a 15 minute virtual. I literally went to where they live or I was at a hotel they or their office. They brought people to me and I would close them, understand the other partners. And I'd be like, why are you doing this? Why don't you do this? And it was probably the most revealing thing for me it was very easy is what I do every day. Every single person that I went to see, right? Or came to me here where I live literally were transformed because when you spend four hours or eight hours or 10 hours with somebody, right? You start understanding the way they think. And when you're standing next to them and you see them work, I'm like, why are you doing that? How are you respond to that? You're, you're do, you learn a lot. And that's why sometimes you have to get at first your feet dirty to truly understand because you run your own fog, right? You're like, oh, well, you know, this is the way I always do it. So to take that, that process, but, and also I realized that, you know, one of them, I think he's on right now, the way he was handling it is when he was reaching out to people to, he wasn't adding value. He was like, Hey, this is my product and my marketing services. I could do this for you. It's like, how do you like when people send you unsolicited email to sell delete? No one goes, Oh, wow. You can do that. And so what it is, is, and this is what McLaren did very well is adding value to the people first. And, and that's what we do. And I think we could do even better 
by once in a while, me going to where they live and in their environment, you know, I know I'm going to Australia to see a few people because I'm going to be there. I'm in two or three of them. You know, I was in London. I did two or three of them. I did Canada. I did two or three of them and, or people come to me, but to see people in their, in their environment or see what they're like, it's, I think anybody can fake a 15 minute. You can't really fake all day. And that's how you're going to get because if not, you're just going to get to the same. So I thought that was a good one, Francie. So move out to the next one here as well. Um, stop blaming the person, right? Solve the problem. And so often that will be like, okay, this person keeps messing up, right? And rather than putting it on to the, to the individual, right? How do we solve the problem, okay? And have the blame culture. This person sucks. This person sucks. No. It's about solving the problem and holding the person to an accountability system, right? To make sure they've done rather than just keep blaming the person who ultimately keeps making the same thing over and over. He's like, don't do that. Don't do that. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's a big one. And I think every, you know, I think we, we probably do a good mix of that, right? Because, you know, your tendency is when something you're not happy with, you're very vocal about it very quickly and you are loud to me. Right. So like sometimes it gets frustrating because it is like, it doesn't matter who messed it up or who did something wrong. Like it's always coming to me. So it could be like one, this person made one mistake and this person made one mistake and this person made one but like, then I'm getting yelled at for three things. Right. So sometimes I think it does compound a little bit and like, gets a little bit more frustrating for me to then have to turn around and try to like fix the problem and not have a level of frustration just because I've, it, it's been compounded, like coming to me. I also think that sometimes, sometimes the best way to solve problems too, is to like actually do the process. And I say that because I think this comes up sometimes um, with people. Sometimes I don't necessarily think it's the person. It's their process for how they're doing it sucks. And they never stopped and asked the question to say, right? Which then that makes me question, is it the person? If they never raised their hand to say, I think there could be a more efficient way to do this. Right. And it's like, does that mean the individual, like, I don't know. Right. Because that's how I'm always like, there's got to be an easier way to do this. And I'll use an example. And I think sometimes too, when you do have people move into different positions or people take over different responsibilities, sometimes that's when you uncover certain things because maybe somebody was doing something and they kept doing it a certain way and it was getting done. So you didn't really look at You weren't really looking at how the sausage got made. You just know there was a sausage at the end of the day. But then when someone else has to make the sausage and they're saying, well, why are we putting it this much of this into it? And we could save money if we did that. You know, somebody else looks at it a little bit differently. So I think sometimes, too, it changes when you move roles and responsibilities around, too, to be able to look at how do you better a process, right? Which we've kind of had a lot of that happening in the beginning of this year. And we've started to like implement a few different processes. But I also think sometimes if somebody, if somebody keeps making the same mistake or there is a problem, I also think some, some 
there's a give take. Some has to be on the individual to be able to say, help, like raise their hand and say, I keep making the same mistake. Like we keep addressing it. Help me. Or is there a better way? Or is there a more efficient way? Right. I don't think, I personally don't think every single thing can fall on, you know, every manager has to solve every person's problem. I think people also be have to be able to raise their hand and say, you know, can we do this differently? Or can, is there a different way? Or I'm not understanding this. So I think it's a give take of, of the team also has to be able to raise their hand to say, I need help. The, the next one is, this is a big one too. It's, I want everybody to put it down as data analytics. Guess how many sensors there are on a car? Probably thousands. 3,000 sensors on one car. And guess how many during a race simulations that they do on everything about probability if this breaks down or this goes or, or the race, like during the, the, the race, guess how many simulations of, of technology and data do they make during a race? Tens of thousands. Three million simulations they do that gives them, if this happens or the pit stops takes this and they literally over one, uh, one terabyte during the, the, the race alone, and during the, before the race, they go through every single simulation is if this happens at this turn, or we go behind and what it would look like as well, predictive analysis. And then what they do is this, the mistake. And this is, I think this is where we, this is where it hit me hard is we have a lot of data. Okay. So as a car company, we cover a lot of data. And he says, the problem sometimes is we would get the data. And then we would fix the obvious problems, right? Because it's always the next race, the next race, the next race. And then at the end of the year, you would review data. But by that time, cars have been modified, engines, like there's all these. So maybe the data earlier in the year wasn't as relevant at the end of the year because people evolve, the market changes a little bit, the, the conditions change, people have narrowed the gap with their improvements. And so at the end of the year, we never looked at the data because we say, well, it's kind of obsolete. And then because we're always worried about the race, we never took time to really analyze the data. So they hired a person, right? And a team to literally analyze the data after and come to a conclusion. So we have a lot of data, tons of data, right? But we never take like maybe 30 minutes to go, okay, here's the data. What does it mean? Like, and by the way, that, that, that's to me. Don't. I don't. But here's the thing too, I, I do- say We have meetings every week and you've been on some of them and I've watched you where the data is on the screen and this is what I see the whole time, the top of your head, because you're looking at your phone. So you, right, I think we we actually do have a lot yeah, of data. But, 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 okay, so you lot. have a lot of data, but here's the thing too. I'm the guy driving the car. So right. you're the okay. chief engineer. So I, I take responsibility. I say it was your fault. I just say it's my no, fault. No, I know, right? but that's what I'm saying. We we do that on multiple calls every single week. We're looking at that data. You don't always get on the call. But but here's the, the but here's the thing too. Okay, so all right. So so I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second. You're completely right. I take full responsibility. But you know what? No one has ever said to me, hey JT, this really converted, this data really converted, really worked. Do more videos like this, like with this specific thing, never been done. So we may have the data, 
but the team needs to suggest me. JT, when you get to I turn number three, that's accurate either. Okay, so give me an example I mean, of somebody. Over, that, so over the last, I because I would say over the last couple of weeks, right? We know where all the different leads are are coming from, right? And we, I literally had a conversation with you last week about one of our sources of where leads are coming from, and I think we need to try this instead because what we've seen from the data is doing this type of an event worked really, really well. And now we've been testing this and it's not working, but we need to go back to this style, do it in this flow because- I, I have no this. idea. I have no idea what you're talking about. So maybe this is a good example for you to like in code, tell me what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like what style worked? <laughs> I have no idea. This is all news to me. Breaking news. We talked about, I said, we need to plan a date on the oh, calendar to I do see, a specific event. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? You're like, so LinkedIn, you're the LinkedIn strategy. Right. Because literally we I was just over, I've been diving deeper into that data because I know, I know it worked and we te yeah. we're testing something different and we're not seeing the level of results we had prior. Right. right? right so right. like, I do think there is a level of that where we say, okay, this worked really well. And the team has also said to you with certain video, we'll tell you, frame the video this way, because when you did this video in this format, it worked really well as an ad. And then this one didn't work as well. So make sure you're sticking to this. Like, so I, I so I, I take responsibility, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, in, in some cases, right. Because what I do is I just get in the car and like, and I'm good. I win races, but here's the thing. I take responsibility and that's going to change starting on Monday. Um, because I need to change. We're and I realize that because here's the thing too, I, I, at this point, but here, but here's the thing too, I need to do, it needs to do in order to get that edge, the, the milliseconds, it, it makes all the difference. And it's been hard for me to do that. And I take responsibility because I got to create. So what I do is I come in, I have a game plan. That's what it is. And then I'll, I'll go over the obstacle. I'll end up winning the race. But here's the thing too. There is a lot of competition. There's a lot of things because I'm always in the next business, the next ideas. Cause on average, I'll spend such a little time. In fact, what I did, we've even, and this is the thing where I say, like, I think you, I, I, you know agree. I, I bought, I bought this, right. I bought this, like I'm, I'm opening it live. I'm boxing it for all of you as well. Okay. So I literally got this for my desk. Okay. Because I realized that as I speak, I get all these ideas. So this is a whiteboard, right. And I could also have it there as well but I'm going to put it flat on my desk, right? And this guy got a big desk as well. And so that I can map things out specifically because that's what Zach did. Like literally speed of implementation. I saw him make some notes and stuff like that. And then just, and, and it's hard on a piece of paper because it's smaller, right? So then I can kind of see whether it's a funnel or ideas or because I have both sides and, and just kind of in the zone, be creative and the process of creating. Now I have a bigger board there, but that wouldn't work for me because I got to stand up and write it over, but on my desk in there. And that's what he did, right? And so those little milliseconds. So I take responsibility as a leader, as a leader that I now need to say, all right, JT, this is the video I need from you and blah, 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 and be specific and say, boom, because now it is a wing it strategy, which by the way, because I'm fast, because I've got instinct, we are winning, but could we be winning more? 
And eventually we have been literally driving without a, we have a game plan. So we but know what the I game think, plan is. But, and that's where I think some of it, you just don't realize. Cause like we, we Yeah, know. But if it's not communicated to me and it may be communicated to me, but if it's not receptive, right. Right. You're just not listening. Cause we know, we know literally every week we adjust how much money we spend because I know if we have a certain amount of leads, it means a certain amount of registered to get a certain number on our calls we do on Friday. And if we have between this certain number, it's the sweet spot to get the right ROI. Because if we have too many, it's too long and it doesn't work. If we don't have enough, there's not enough of a pool there. So we literally adjust ad spend to know we need a little bit more leads. We need to push this on like a numbers of Correct. analytics. Correct. And, and those are those are from the engineering process of you being in the crew pit, right? to the car. So what you're talking about is the car, which by the way, I, I take responsibility. I'm not blaming you, but here's the thing too. Part of the problem is you have the greatest car, but if it's not in line with the driver, I am the driver, which by the way, I'm telling you I'm not in line and it's my fault, right? Because I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just gonna drive the car. So I, I take responsibility, but I need to really kind of ask the right questions rather than assuming, uh, assuming to make the car. So just this is an example that I came up with. So we may have the data and I'm not taking the data because I'm just driving it the way I want it. And it's fine now until it's not. So, so that's what I'm just saying. Okay. Um, the other one, uh, this was a big lesson. By the way, you guys enjoying this? Is this useful? I hope you are. Uh, check out the links in the comments uh, for those of you who are listening to after the fact. Um, there's a lot of cool surprises I have for you there. Um, the other one is this focus, 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 but only focus on solving one problem at a time, because often in a car, when you, there's an issue, like you're, you're kind of either putting a bandaid or you're, 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 the little problem, if it's not handled, eventually becomes a big problem. And sometimes you it just have to go other to problems, probably it creates other problems. Right. And the ability to make decisions super, 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 super quick, um, in, in real time as well. A decision not made becomes a bigger problem, but also too, if you just kind of like solve this problem, but don't solve this problem, it's not going to make a difference as well. So the idea is like, okay, this is our one problem. Okay. So for example, in McLaren, the example they use, the car was phenomenal on the streets. See, that's a good noise. I can, I can do voiceovers. Very good. Very good. Right. So the car did this, um, but it wasn't good in the turn. So they literally spent all this time obsessing on what do we need to do on the turns from data to this, to simulations, to really kind of having meetings about this. But as soon as they saw that, they need to go back into the straights because somebody else whose weakness is the straights, they may have found a way to now go faster on the straight and not be comfortable. But first, solving right away the biggest weakness and stop just ignoring it because you're good on the straights. So you may do well, but you're not going to win. In order to win, it needs to be the straights and the corner. Talk about this. So if there's a weakness in the particular business, so what would you say is our weakness in our particular business? And if I had to say starting on Tuesday, because Monday we got, I got, you know, we got to solve other problems and we were to focus on one problem in your opinion for us to fix, what would that be? So I actually would say, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's okay. This is the one thing we need to focus on and fix on Monday or Tuesday, I think it's taking the giant list of everything and getting you to focus on one thing. Because I think that's part of like the underlying issue here is you are so creative and you have so many different ideas and you jump all over the place. But I think sometimes it's hard, like 
right? We were talking this week, I have this list that we've created of all these different things we need to do. So I think it's saying we got to tackle one thing on the list at the time. And like with the, one of the other businesses we're involved in, that's exactly the point I made to you, right? Is instead of trying to solve all these problems, what is the what is the biggest one or what is the one that translates to revenue? What is the one that translates to a difference in revenue? And let's prioritize focusing on that instead of saying it's this and it's this and it's this and we need to change this and we got to do this different and we got to fix this. It's saying we got to You got to look at the list. And I think you need like this, right? It's focus on the thing that's yep. going to help you win more races. So with them, it's like, okay, if we can master the turn, we've got the straight. So if we can master the, do better in the turn, then we're going to win more races versus it. And I think in racing, it's a little bit different of an analogy because everything's going to have an impact on the race to win the race. But I think in, in business, it's like, you need to prioritize what's going to create the biggest shift in revenue first. So I think, for us internally, the one thing I would say is um, the Wednesday, figuring out the Wednesday thing where we were driving leads, we have the people, right? And we looked at the data and they're they're going there, they're just not converting. Now, we also know what might be the problem with that. So before we change strategy, we're before, like you said, before we up upheaval the whole thing and re before we take the car apart and rebuild which is the, the next car. point which is the next point and then let me before you say let me add on to okay. the next point was this and, and by the way this is very important to everybody and, and francie's about to go in there so i'm going to say the next point have her doing it okay. big changes do not lead to bigger success small minor improvements have the biggest issue on performance because if you say oh this engine is not good putting another engine doesn't solve the problem it often does not. And he goes, we're talking about micro, small changes, adjustments. Now finish your point. By the way, this is great stuff. This is as high level as it gets here uh, on this uh, podcast right. here today. So what do you guys think in the comments? We've been doing this certain strategy on these calls. And this is what I, like the data I actually looked at last week, I broke down, okay, is it really our strategy or do we need to change one thing in the strategy to see if that one thing makes a difference. So I went and I was looking at, okay, we're getting the people, we're, get, we're getting registrations, we're getting the show, right? Which we had to improve some things to increase the show up, we're getting the show up, we're getting all these things, but the, we're missing on the conversion. So before we just boom, dynamite, blow the whole thing up and rebuild it, let's change something in that process to see if it makes a difference, which is what we discussed and what we're going to try out this week. Because based on what I saw, we're getting the people, we're getting them to the finish line. We're getting them to the end zone. They're in the red zone They're but they just, we're not getting them right. We don't have the right quarterback. We don't have the right something to get that player into the end zone. So I think that's the other thing saying, yeah. I think if we can solve that, Right. That's what I would want to focus on first is we know other things are working. Let's get that to work because we've already talked. OK, we want to do this. We want to do this. We want to do this. But let's make this one work. Right. And if we can fix that conversion problem, then it makes sense. We can start building more into that and growing that more. But if we can't fix the conversion problem, 
then we may have to go back and rework the process. But let's start there first, because the data is telling me we should be able to convert. So we need to test something else right there. So yeah, it's you always change one small measurable thing at a time. So you know, if that one small measurable thing, did it help or did it hurt? Because if you blow up the whole process, you don't know what things worked and what things didn't, and you don't know what things to double down on and what things to get rid of. Yeah, no, this is good. By the way, again, you'll have the opportunity to re-listen to this as well as we are going to post this. Obviously, if you're listening to it live, you know, I think there's a lot of lessons. Uh, Here's the big one that they had. You have to be realistic about your expectations. And what he means is, and I said to them, when do you expect because you have Mercedes, you have Red Bull, um, you know, they're back and forth. Um, and then you have Ferrari now. So it's third place, right? So Ferrari, they kind of leaped over Ferrari over them. And, and everyone is trying to have that improvement. And he goes, number one, I have to be realistic about this. And we're looking at two to three years. The expectation that we're going to start winning next year is just not going to happen. So, so at the end of the day, I have to focus on the present, but I have to take a look at three years. Now, how do I fix it now to make myself competitive, you know, to win third place? That's really because you have Mercedes and Red Bull that are so far ahead, um, who, by the way, for a long time had a lot more money to to do research and things like that. And now the equal playing field, what you can spend is there. And then you have to say, okay, but three years, what do we need to know to win? So what did they do? They invested in what's going to be the most state of the R uh, simulation, uh, statement R simulation. uh, you know, driving simulation because F1 formula cars are not allowed to drive the cars in the winter testing because he said it would be a disadvantage. You have someone like Mercedes and Red Bull and Ferrari, they'd be like, we have all this money because track time is expensive. So, so they're trying to do that. So number one, the simulation. Number two, they're building a state-of-the-art wind tunnel so that they can measure that. A few years ago, they invested in a, it looks like Kennedy Space Control, where they have all these engineering during race, not only the people at the race, but getting data out there to try to get milliseconds off micro. It looked like a NASA thing. We couldn't take pictures. We we're not allowed. And I love that they were saying, we have a good simulator, but we want to have the best simulator. We want to have the best wind tunnel so that we can measure things that usually can only be measured onto the track in there. So the competitive advantage is going to be what's be done when not the racing there as well. So what do you think we need to look at, you know, two or three years from now, what's that next move you think that we may not be ready, but we got to start thinking and planting those seeds to get us to a place that in three years that we're still competitive, right? Because you're hot now, I mean, I'll hop you later. Robots. Robots. <laughs> yeah, AI robots. Um, I do think, and I it's, it's interesting you bring this up because I spent some time last night, I was on looking kind of diving a little bit deeper into like the chat GPT stuff of like what could be like the application and start, you know, we talk about like automation and systemation of things, but like, I do think there's going to be a big piece of like smart technology when it comes to advertising, when it comes to customer experience, when it comes to customer engagement to where you know, I think it's stuff we need to start looking at and being aware of. And I think we have some kind of a call on Monday, kind of along those lines too. And I think that's, that's a little bit of the piece of it is going to be, you know, what is that future tech? It's the AI. And what we're trying to do is, yeah, we're talking about AI stuff, right? So we are at meetings on Monday 
to literally take a look. I didn't at- want to say AI and then your podcast get deleted again. <laughs> oh yeah. No, we love AI. It is the future. You know what I mean? So, um, no, I yeah, really so- do think there is, there is stuff there. Right. And I think that's kind of the next future thing. And that's, that's where stuff is going on in that space. Right. And so many different businesses we are involved in involve, you know, future technology and looking at some of that stuff. So, you know, I jokingly say robots and most of you that know me know for years, I've been like, we just need robots that I can like program, you know, teach this information to people and they just go and they do it and they don't veer off, off course. But I really, when I say robots, I'm like half joking, half serious, because I do think using, um, using, the AI and those that I think that's like the, how do we leverage those things in, in our, our business? And by the way, so we have another five points to go in there. So what I'm going to do is uh, we, we're going to stop the recording. And then what I'm going to do for, for those that are live, I'll continue of some things that happen behind the scenes that I can't tell you uh, here on this podcast. Uh, and for those of you who are listening to this podcast, the next podcast will be part two. We have another five points. And then Francie reminded me of two points while she was speaking that I could actually be 13 points uh, that I didn't think of that this and I can match it more story because I don't want this to be a two hour podcast as well. So for those of you who are listening to this podcast as well uh, in the comments below, if you would like to do business with me, if you'd like me to fund your deals or you want me to introduce you to my billionaire and nine figure connections as well. It's all about getting value. The links is actually in the comment and get ready. And if you can do me a huge favor, if you want more of this, uh, go to my podcast on Apple and rate it and, and give it a good review. And same thing on Spotify, share it to other people because this is the type of knowledge. And for those of the live audience, we were going to take this offline and discuss more things that happen behind the scenes. So are we doing um, a part two? Is there there's going to be a part two. two. There's going to be a part two. So just to let you know, to get people wanting more, uh, and then we'll be able to track the metrics is how many people went from part one to part two, whether they liked it or not as well. So that's it for part one of this podcast. Stay tuned for a couple of days for, for part two. Thank you, Francie. Thank you, everyone. And for those live, we are going to be continuing with more insider stories, but not recording as well. See you on part two, everybody.